Some of you know that, that uh, for the past several months I've been taking part in Leadership Spartanburg, which is a program run by the Chamber of Commerce to develop leadership uh, in Spartanburg County. Uh, we meet once a month and each session has a different emphasis. Uh, this month the emphasis was on the arts and parks and recreation. And so one of the stops on our little tour was actually the West Main Artist Co-op. So that was a great privilege to be able to come here with our class uh, here and, and, and actually sit in the sanctuary. Uh, Howard Solomon, many of you know, is the director, I guess, of, of the co-op. And he gave us a little bit of the history of this place. Uh, this church used to be West Main Baptist Church, and it was actually started in a tent meeting on D-Day. Uh, that was when this church met for the first time. Uh, after that, the, the sanctuary area was built, and I don't know the dates after that, but the sanctuary was built, and then a few years later, the rear part where the Sunday school rooms are uh, and the kind of behind part were built. The back part of the church was added on. Uh, and it was actually... Uh, constructed during the Cold War, so it was actually meant to double as a fallout shelter. Um, so, you know, if anything goes wrong, we're good. Um, we got a little bit of bread. So, uh, it, it, the church went on for some time, and then West Main Baptist actually, and I'm not sure if they moved or just kind of ceased to exist, uh, I think in the early 2000s, uh, then Mount Zion Church actually owned this for about three years. Uh, and then they left. And then the Artist Co-op, somebody bought it on behalf of the Artist Co-op in 2007. Uh, and then they started leasing us space to worship here last year. Uh, now, it, it's interesting to know the history of places that you're associated with. To kind of know the, the story uh, behind uh, the building and how this came to be. What I want to show you today is that um, there's a story to the Bible. Uh, and the Bible is not just this book of disconnected facts and bits of theology and stories that we don't know how they, they work together. But there's actually one story of Scripture uh, from the beginning to the end of it. Uh, the Bible tells a story of God's work redeeming His people from sin. Uh, of, of God... Uh, making people his treasured possession, of God taking damaged and run-down buildings, damaged and run-down people, uh, and restoring them and making them what they are actually meant to be. He's about the business of making people uh, new. So we're going we're gonna to think about that a little bit today. We're going to do that through the lens uh, of Abraham. So Galatians chapter 3. And I'm actually going to start reading in verse 1. And so I'll tell you when I get to what's actually printed in the bulletin. Galatians 3 verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right, now I'm picking up in the bulletin. Uh, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. 
And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then Romans chapter 4, and we're not going to spend much time looking at Romans 4, but it's kind of, it's the best commentary on these verses in Galatians. It kind of gives you an idea of what's going on in a more extended way. Uh, Verse 1, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Let me pray for us. God, this is your word, and it is a wonderful word. I pray that you would help us to understand it. I pray that you would speak through me and even in spite of me. And I pray that you would help us uh, to see the glories of the gospel and the gloriousness of the work that you are doing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, somebody want to stand up and do the summary of Galatians for me? Because I do this every week now. Uh, Galatians. Paul writes the letter to the Galatians um, because he writes it to these Folks in the churches he had started in Galatia because uh, false teachers had come in after Paul had started the church and they said the way to be right with God is through faith in Jesus plus doing the works of the law. Faith in Jesus plus, in particular, doing the works of the ceremonial law, circumcision and all the Old Testament clean laws. Uh, They were especially saying, look, if you're a Gentile uh, and and you're going to worship this God of the Old Testament, who we have always worshipped, you've got to put your faith in Jesus, yes, uh, but you've got to keep the ceremonial laws. And, and all of the, uh, the males have to be circumcised. Paul said, that's not right. You're made right with God through faith in Jesus, plus nothing else. Uh, then, in the text before us today, in the first uh, few verses of Galatians 3, Paul asked uh, the Galatians, How did you come to know Christ in the first place? How did you receive the Spirit? Was it by working for it? Or was it by faith? Was it by the works of the law or was it by faith? And the applied answer, they knew the answer 
it was by faith. And then he says, well, if you started by faith, why are you so foolish to think that you're now going to be perfected by the flesh or perfected by human effort? Uh, so what's Paul doing? He's, he's pointing them to their experience, really. He's saying, look, how did you come to know Christ? Was it by works or was it by faith? Now, how do you think you, you should continue? By works uh, or by faith? Uh, he's saying to them, the way you started the Christian life is the way you keep going in the Christian life. You don't start by faith and then transition to works. It's all by faith from beginning to end. You start by faith in Jesus. You grow by faith in Jesus. You finish the race through faith in Jesus. So he's pointing them to their experience. How did you begin? Look, that's the same way you're going to continue. Uh, now he's pointing them to their experience. Now he's actually pointing them to the Bible. Uh, and in the Bible, he's pointing them to their own history. And in their own history, he's pointing them to a particular, particularly very important figure in their history. He's pointing them to Abraham. Uh, and he's saying, look, God was bringing people into relationship with himself way, way back in Abraham's day. How was he doing it then? Was it on the basis of work? Or was it on the basis of faith? Now... <clears throat> You might wonder, what's the big deal with Abraham? Uh, are, are we Jewish today? Uh, what's, what's going on here? What's the big deal with Abraham? Why is Paul pulling someone off the pages of ancient history uh, to make his case to the Galatians? Let me put it like this. Abraham was to the Jewish people uh, what Danny Ford is to Clemson. Okay, or, or maybe even bigger, uh, to stay with the, in the football world, uh, Abraham was to the Jewish people what Bear Bryant is to the University of Alabama. Uh, there was a time I can remember growing up after Bear Bryant quit coaching that most Alabama fans didn't want you to be their football coach unless you had a connection to Bear Bryant. You were suspect in their minds if you couldn't trace your coaching lineage back to him. Uh, he, he was a big deal to them. Abraham was a big deal to the Jewish people. They traced their lineage back to him. You know, if, if you grew up in the church, uh, you might remember the, the Vacation Bible School song, Father Abraham, anybody? Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them and so are you. Let's all praise the Lord. And nobody really knows why they're singing it, do we? It's just kind of one of those burn energy songs for kids and for some reason we've connected the hokey pokey to it. Um, <laughs> And I don't know what all that's about, but, but we sing that song. One writer suggested that for the Judaizers, uh, the song went like this. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, but you are not. So let's all get together for a little procedure we like to call circumcision. <laughs> now, that just sounds like a Seinfeld episode waiting to happen. Um, now, to the, to the Jews, belonging to God meant um, being in right relationship with him, meant being a child of Abraham. 
Right, to, to say those things would be to say the same thing. It would be shorthand for saying, I'm a follower of God. I'm a child of Abraham. It meant the same thing. Uh, and you see that in John chapter 8 where uh, the Jews are talking to Jesus. The leaders of the Jews are talking to Jesus. And they're wanting to make the case that they really, we really are children of God. And the way they do that is they say, well, we're the offspring of Abraham. We're legitimate. We're connected to him. We know the God of the Bible. Abraham was our father. So <clears throat> if a Gentile wanted to enter into a relationship with this God, he had to become a child of Abraham. And what's interesting here is that Paul actually doesn't dispute that. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't argue with that. Uh, the Jews also said that to be a child of Abraham, you had to be circumcised. Now, <clears throat> where did they get that idea? Where, where in the world did they come up with that? Well, maybe from God? Uh, Genesis 17, verse 10, God says to Abraham, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So here's the, think about our Judaizers. They're saying, yes, we get it. You need to have faith in Jesus. But you also need to keep the ceremonial law. You still need to be circumcised, just like God commanded Abraham back in Genesis 17. Now, you need to understand that, that all through the Old Testament and, and into Jesus' day, uh, there was this tendency among God's people uh, to rely on the signs that God had given them uh, instead of uh, relying on what the signs pointed to, instead of relying on God himself. Uh, and so God says things like this to them in Deuteronomy 10, Circumcise your hearts. And quit being so stubborn. You've got the external sign of being a part of my people, but you, you're really not. What needs circumcising, what needs changing, is your heart. Uh, quit, quit trying to paper over your problems uh, by trusting in an external sign, by, by dressing up on the outside. Now, <clears throat> again, Paul's facing these Judaizers, and, and not only are they clinging to circumcision as a sign, they're missing the significance of the sign. They're clinging to it as a mark, yes, we really are God's children, no matter what. But they're also missing the, the significance of it. Uh, signs are meant to point you to something else. Uh, if, if I'm going down the interstate to Charlotte and there's a sign that says, Charlotte, 35 miles, and I get out of the car and stop on the side of the road and just look at the sign and say, I'm here... You might say, Justin, I think you're missing the point of the sign. The sign's meant to point you to something else. The Judaizers missed the purpose of the sign. And they missed it in at least two ways. Uh, one, they didn't realize that the, the bloody ritual of circumcision was meant to point them to the blood that Jesus would shed on the cross for their sin. Uh, they missed that circumcision and all the clean laws were actually pointing forward to Jesus Christ. Remember, we've talked about this. The clean law said uh, you've got to be clean to come into God's presence. You've got to be clean to worship Him. But even after you do all the clean laws, you show up for worship, 
And the animal still has to be sacrificed for you because you're still not clean enough to enter into God's presence. Even though you've been busy keeping all of these clean laws, you're still not really clean. Uh, the second thing they missed is that circumcision was a sign and seal that Abraham had right standing with God, but he had it by faith. In their mind, Abraham had right standing with God because he had been circumcised. And so what Paul does here in Galatians 3 is, all right, remember the Judaizers are kind of capped out in Genesis 17. They're going, look, Paul, circumcision. And Paul comes along and says, wait, wait, you need to go a couple chapters back because you're missing what was foundational in chapter 17. So he leapfrogs them and he goes back to chapter 15. It's what he's quoting from here in verse 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness are credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was credited with righteousness before he was circumcised. He was credited with righteousness when he believed, when he put his faith in God's promises, uh, when he trusted that God would do what he had said he would do, when he trusted in what God could do, not in what Abraham could do. Now remember, faith, remember trust, that's looking away from what you do, looking to what God has done. You're not looking at faith, you're looking through faith. You're not looking at the windshield, you're looking through the windshield. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now it's kind of like somebody had opened a, God had opened a bank account for Abraham and it didn't have anything in it and he just took a dump truck load of righteousness and dumped it into that account and said, Abraham, that's yours. And it can't be depleted. You, you, you can't spend it all. It's there. It's yours. That's given to your account. He didn't work to get that. And this is what Romans 4 says. He didn't work so that his account got filled up with righteousness. And so he couldn't take any credit for it. Um, he didn't work for it. He couldn't boast about it. He simply received it by faith. That doesn't mean he was at that moment not a sinner anymore, but in God's eyes, Abraham now had right standing with him. Father Abraham was declared righteous. He was declared to be in right standing with God before he was circumcised. Now, let me go back to Alabama football again. Uh, the Abraham of Alabama football, Bear Bryant, used to wear uh, this black and white houndstooth hat all the time to games. Um, this, this hat that, that I don't ever see anybody wearing these anymore, but he used to wear this houndstooth hat. And over the last few years, it's become sort of a tradition with Alabama fans to wear houndstooth. Uh, you may even see it on their field this year. I think they had a little houndstooth emblem. And Susan just did some, some boots for her sister that are houndstooth uh, rain boots. Right, it's very annoying. There's, there's, there's houndstooth everywhere. Uh, now, an Alabama Judaizer would say, houndstooth is what makes you an Alabama fan. This is the mark of being a part of the Alabama tribe, that you have houndstooth. You can't be a fan without this. And Paul would say back to them, no, no wait a minute. Uh, Bear Bryant was an Alabama man long before he started wearing houndstooth. Don't, don't confuse the sign with what it symbolizes. They're not, 
the same thing. It's a sign, but it's not the main thing. And Paul says to the Galatians, don't confuse the sign with, with what is the main thing. Abraham was important. And to be in a relationship with God is to be one of Abraham's spiritual children. But the way you become a child of Abraham is by faith. And so the way you become a child of God is by faith. Now, all of my outline people are unhappy today because I haven't given you an outline at all. Uh, this has been sort of a, a, a ramble on this text. Uh, let, me, let me draw out just a, just a few... Uh, five, actually, rather brief points of so what, all right? What, what does this have to do with anything? Uh, you, you may have heard the story. First of all, you may have heard the, the song, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Um, the text tells us that the story of God's redeeming love goes way back. It goes way back. There's a lot of misunderstanding uh, about the Old Testament, I think, uh, among believers. A lot of people would say, well, in the Old Testament, see, you were made right with God by works and keeping the commandments. And now in the New Testament, you're made right with God by faith. Uh, but what Paul says here is that Abraham, one of the premier saints of the Old Testament, he was actually made right with God by faith. Uh, in fact, here in, in verse 7 and 8 of Galatians 3, he says that what God was doing in his interactions with Abraham was that he was actually preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Now, he, he didn't have as full as understanding of the gospel as we do, uh, but, but he was receiving the gospel. I'm going to save the whole world through one of your descendants. The world is going to be blessed through one of your descendants, not through what you do, but through what I do and through my initiative. And so from the beginning, and you could go back even further to Genesis in the fall and Adam and Eve being naked and ashamed and God clothes them with animal skins, pointing to the need for shed blood to cover our shame. And you could trace this story of this this work that God is doing. Uh, and you see it here in the life of Abraham, that God is bringing rebels uh, to himself uh, through faith. Uh, another way to say this is to say, just, just put it this way, the whole Bible's about Jesus. But from beginning to end, the whole Bible is about Jesus. There's no part of it that's not about Jesus. Uh, and, and I suggest you, perhaps a helpful way to see this, there's this, this book that's been written by Sally Lloyd-Jones, uh, who, if you're familiar with Martin Lloyd-Jones, it's his daughter, and it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, and, it, and it traces this, makes this connection plain for you through the pages of Scripture. Uh, and yes, it's a children's Bible, and you might say, well, I don't want to get you, but read it, read it. Uh, David's actually using it as a Bible study with Wofford students. Because our, our level of knowledge of the whole Bible is so low these days that we can't connect all of this. And this just is a beautiful tool to help you connect the story of Scripture. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, second, Abraham, when was he righteous? He was righteous before he was circumcised. But 
God told him to give the sign and the seal of the righteousness that comes through faith to his children. Actually, when they were eight days old. Now remember, a sign points away from itself to something else. Uh, A seal is a visible mark saying that what's been proclaimed is actually true. Think of the seal of a university on a diploma saying what is written here is true. You actually have uh, done what's required to graduate. Uh, Circumcision confirmed uh, that righteousness would be given to those who have faith in God's promises. God will give righteousness to the one who has faith. It pointed to a truth about God. It pointed to the righteousness that comes by faith. It pointed to the gospel. Uh, Circumcision called Abraham's descendants to faith in the God who promised to bless the world through one of his descendants. Now again, Colossians tells us that circumcision has been replaced by baptism. Uh, Circumcision pointed forward, showing us that the shedding of blood was needed. Baptism points us back to the work of Christ, showing us what his shed blood has actually accomplished, that our sins have been washed away by the work of Jesus Christ. We've been accepted as righteous by God. And so, just as Old Testament believers would circumcise their children, we now baptize uh, our children, marking them as set apart to God and calling them to the righteousness that comes uh, through faith. Uh, Mark Ross says, think about it this way. He said, well, what's, what's the big deal with, with um, uh, a child being baptized? He said, think about uh, two young ladies who have very special young men in their lives. Uh, both men are talking about marriage. Both men are making big promises. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for you. Everything that's mine is going to be yours. On the condition that she marries him. The two ladies are treated exactly the same way except for one thing. One of them gets a ring and the other one doesn't. Now, what's the difference in the two? Well, one of them has a ring and one of them doesn't. Does that make any difference? I don't ask the lady who doesn't have one. Uh, see, what, what that symbolizes, that visible token, doesn't alter any of the promises that have been made to those two women, but it certainly makes it more real and more tangible in the life of the one who has that ring. And it makes the duties that she owes to the one who gave her that ring more real to her as well. Uh, a baptized child has something very precious in their baptism. And uh, children, many of you, perhaps here today, you were baptized uh, as infants. And what that shows you is that you have a place in God's family, in His church. You're called by His name. Uh, we call you Christians. Uh, And he's given you a promise that God will wash away your sin when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. When you trust in him to save you, God will do what he has said he will do, what is pictured for you in baptism. So baptism then is a visible reminder of God's promise. And it's a call to you, children who have been baptized, to put your faith in 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, number three, don't confuse the sign with what it signifies. Don't confuse the sign with what it signifies. Don't think that being baptized ensures that you're in a right relationship with God. Don't think that because of you partake of the Lord's Supper that that's magic and that somehow makes you a Christian. The question is, has your heart been washed? Baptism's great, but has your heart been washed? Are you looking in Jesus to faith? Uh, number four. Now, this is kind of a side to all this, but I just think it's pretty cool. Uh, Paul says in here in verse 8, that the Scripture preached the gospel to Abraham. The Scripture preached the gospel to Abraham. See, in, God, in, in Paul's mind, what Scripture said and what God said are the exact same thing. But you can't separate the two. So if you want to know what God says, then you need to look at what Scripture says. Uh, now, some people today would say, well, look, I take this part of the Bible, I believe that, I don't believe that, I believe this, this not so much. And this is, this is America, you're fine to do that if you want to do that. But understand that you've come up with a new faith at that point. This is not Christianity. That's not the, the faith of Paul. That's not the faith of Jesus. Because of them, what the Bible said was what God said. And so if you're going to trust in Jesus, you're going to have to trust in his word as well. Uh, and then, last thing here. The Bible is one story of redemption. Uh, and, and let me suggest to you just this morning uh, that instead of trying to write a story about yourself, which is what we all try to do, instead of trying to write a story about yourself and who you are and how you're going to make yourself okay and how you're making yourself presentable and how great and glorious you are, this attempt to, to, to tell a story about yourself to God and to other people and to yourself so that you can look yourself in the mirror in the morning. Instead of trying uh, to write a story with a presentable me and a glorious me, instead of doing that, let me invite you to find your place in the story that the whole Bible is telling about Jesus Christ. Find your place as one who isn't acceptable, who isn't presentable but he has been rescued, ransomed, redeemed, forgiven, made presentable through faith in Jesus. Find your place in that story. Uh, the story of Abraham. The story of the whole Bible. That righteousness, right standing, comes through faith in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would uh, uh, take from this and impress upon us what we need to hear, uh, what will challenge us, and uh, also what will encourage us, uh, what will point us uh, to Jesus. Uh, we pray it in his name. Amen.